Hi, welcome to the Cinematography Salon podcast, a show about celebrating cinematography and inspiring both the current and next generation of visual artists, exploring the latest trends, techniques, technologies, and culture, and featuring exclusive interviews with some of the most talented and innovative cinematographers working today. Hi, everyone. Um, So we are so excited to kick off the Cinematography Salon podcast. My name is Peter Pascucci. I am a cinematographer based in Brooklyn. And here with me, I have Oren Sofer. Hi, Peter. uh, And hi, everybody listening. Uh, This is Oren Sofer here. I'm an L.A.-based cinematographer, and uh, we're really excited to launch this podcast. So, Peter, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what the Cinematography Salon podcast is and what they can expect from us uh, going forward. Totally. And also just wanted to start by saying that I'm super grateful to be doing this show with you. Um, Such a big fan of your work and have always really appreciated how you've kind of put an emphasis on education in your work and, you know, whether that was um, being a professor at NYU for a period of time or just kind of disseminating really amazing information on social media or teaching lighting workshops and everything. It's been super exciting to follow. And so just seemed like an awesome fit for the two of us to uh, tackle some of these topics and uh, bring the community in. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you, Peter. And you know, I'm a fan of your work as well and have been for many years going back to the NYU days and also been a really big fan of your educational efforts from when you did a salon takeover, doing conversations with filmmakers and DPs, uh, which really was kind of the origin of of this podcast, I think, and, and you were kind of the driving force behind expanding that format into something a little more robust. So I'm, I'm just along for the ride, and I'm very happy to be. Uh, so thank you for, for including me. But uh, yeah, you can tell the rest of the story, I think, from here better than I can. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was a blast. About two years ago, I had the opportunity to take over the salon, which a lot of DPs who follow the salon um, have had the opportunity to do as well, and decided to use that week of takeover to do essentially a live stream series with creatives uh, ranging from directors to DPs to, you know, first ACs and just different members of kind of the film community that we're a part of. And it was such an awesome experience because, you know, I just felt like there was a little bit of a gap in kind of the podcast world for, for filmmaking and for cinematography. And, and what I was really interested in doing was bringing in people who maybe could be viewed as like up and coming voices could be viewed as people who maybe aren't, always given like you know the the main stage to talk about their work and their craft and yeah I mean the conversations just immediately went to that place that I had hoped which was you know very sort of vulnerable and you know sharing just personal things and you know perspectives on on the world of cinematography and yeah it really inspired me and it's kind of obviously just been on my mind for for you know since it happened and so at the start of 2023 I kind of had the idea of wanting to maybe expand that and um, turn it into something more legitimate. And so, you know, that's when I came to Oren and I said, you know, would this be something you're interested in? And and he had the great idea of leveraging, you know, the salon's brand and the salon's Instagram and all of those um, channels that already exist to to put the show on. So, you know, that was the the genesis of it. And we've recorded, you know, several guest episodes. And so today we're here to really just share a little bit about how those recordings have gone, give a little sneak peek and then, uh, episodes start to roll out and and really looking forward to everyone getting to hear them. Yeah. And of course, um, you know, we should shout out David Kruda, who is the founder of the Cinematography Salon and who uh, sort of embraced this idea and, and has been a really instrumental force in getting this out there and, and integrating it into the larger 
um, salon ecosystem. And I guess we could also mention for anybody who might not be familiar with it that the Cinematography Salon is essentially an online community of um, cinematographers and cinematography adjacent folks um, that started out as a Facebook group and eventually expanded onto Instagram, as well as um, in-person meetings and events, kind of like a social group for people working in cinematography at, at any level, an online support community where people can ask questions and get answers and also just meet each other, network and learn. And we are really hopeful that uh, this podcast will be a good extension of sort of the broader mission of the salon to create a space where people can learn and talk about um, topics and questions about the world of cinematography and filmmaking in general that might be challenging them or or that people might be interested in learning more about. And then, of course, we had the pleasure of interviewing David as our sort of kickoff uh, episode that's going to be launching next week. So we're really excited for you guys to hear a little bit about his perspective on the history of the salon. And uh, we go into some other topics that are sort of maybe hot button issues uh, in the cinematography world and maybe the world at large right now that uh, David has some 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 nice spicy hot takes on that we we really got into. That was a, it was a really good conversation. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And I just think, you know, a lot of it was very inspiring to me, this idea that David saw essentially a need in sort of the larger cinematography world for an educational hub. And, you know, as someone who took a, a less traditional route and sort of self-taught um, his craft, he he talked about there being this significant knowledge gap between, you know, what you're able to read and uh, access from publications like the American Cinematographer and then that gap existing between that and then like the ability to just, you know, put together the resources to create a shoot of your own to teach yourself. Like there's such a wide gap there. And so he tried to fill that by starting a very small, intimate community and then slowly just watching it grow and grow and grow. And, you know, it was so cool to hear David take a step back and think about how sort of large this thing has become and how many people it's helped and how it's going to continue to grow and how he was just like enthusiastic about it. He was just like, this is crazy sometimes when I think about it. Like, yeah, there's a couple of great, great quotes from him about um, trying to just get rid of gatekeeping altogether and things like that. And I just appreciate his kind of radical uh, approach to life and to work and everything. It's pretty cool. Yeah, 100%. He's definitely like a very rock and roll kind of guy. And I think that energy is infused into the group as well and, and sort of how he runs it and, and, and the branding and and sort of maybe the tone of, um, you know, the events and everything in a good way. Like, I think that, you know, this isn't a knock, quite the opposite, but I think the fact that the ASC or BSC and all of these, you know, international cinematography organizations exist and are very gung-ho about education efforts and sort of sharing the knowledge of their membership is really amazing. And of course, that's such a great way to learn from, you know, the top tier professionals in the industry and people who are working at the highest level of professionalism uh, and, you know, the master classes and other educational opportunities that those organizations put on, as well as the publications are really powerful and a really amazing way to learn from, you know, the best of the best. And I think what David has set out to do with the salon is to create sort of a similar structure as the ASC, but for people who are not working at the you know, highest level of professional cinematography yet, but actually for people who are working, you know, maybe just starting their career out, or maybe they're just a few years in, or maybe they're in a, in a smaller market and, and want to level up how their projects and filmmaking and cinematography look and feel and really creating an organization where people can help each other out 
as well as learning from you know people who maybe have a little bit more experience. And I think the democratization of that is really amazing. And again, that's not to say that these other organizations necessarily are, are gatekeeping, but I do think that it, it's just a nice opportunity to open up, you know, an organizational structure for people who aren't quite at that level yet to still meet each other and learn from each other and help each other out. You know, you reminded me of a part of David's recording, which I thought was such a great um, metaphor, which was like, I can't remember if it was you or David who mentioned it, but it was this idea that the film industry is kind of like an iceberg and how the tip of the iceberg that exists, you know, above water is like your 1% of union crew members and ASCDPs and, you know, people working at like the top of their top of their class. And then the rest of the iceberg underwater is like the wider community of visual storytellers who also need, you know, a community and need um, resources and need educational resources. And so, yeah, I just thought that was kind of like a beautiful metaphor and how like the cinematography salon in many ways is addressing sort of the whole iceberg and like trying to make it a more holistic approach that's more inclusive and is more addressing wider needs in our in our field. Absolutely. Some other very interesting topics that we touched on with David, which you'll have to listen to his episode um, to hear are, you know, AI and uh, some of his feelings around it. And yeah, the parts that really kind of like jumped out to me was was sort of his take that AI, like all art, is derivative and sort of this question of is the only difference sort of the person with the creative idea that is actually leveraging these tools to create something original or is it actually sort of taking on a form of its own and is it sort of a problem in that sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I have sort of maybe conflicting uh, views on it uh, compared to David and we definitely get into it a little bit um, in the episode in a, in, a, in a friendly conversational way, of course. You know, we, we didn't go fisticuffs, but you'll have to uh, hear the episode to, to kind of get maybe both viewpoints a little bit. But it was a really interesting conversation. It actually um, opened up my eyes a little bit to his approach to things and, and how he sees things in a different way. Uh, and it made me think a little bit more about some of my maybe somewhat hardline positions on, on the issue and, and, and maybe soften them a little bit. So it was a really inspiring conversation for sure. Yeah. And so for our third episode, we, we had the uh, privilege of interviewing directors and pace, and this was a unique one because this is a director that Orrin and I have both worked with, uh, separately. And so, it was really cool to sort of sit down and have a conversation, you know, two DPs and one director who have all sort of worked on various projects together and getting to kind of hear just Zen's perspective on on art and on film and on storytelling. And, you know, there are certain people that I personally just love to have conversations with. And, you know, if most of our guests are like that, of course, but Zen is just like has this way of thinking about the world that is very sort of, it comes from a place of fluidity and it comes from a place of sort of spirituality and like it was just really cool for me to hear them kind of go through how their actual gender identity sort of impacts the work that they're drawn to and the stories that they want to tell and and all of these things and um yeah just lots of moments in that episode that that really spoke to me personally yeah zen's a true artist and uh their artistry and intellect and like you said, sort of holistic approach to the craft, even as a commercial director, was really inspiring and refreshing to hear about. And I think one thing that both of us have been really excited about when we were talking about who to interview for the podcast sort of going forward was to provide a mix not only of talking to fellow DPs, which I think both of us are, are quite comfortable with and and 
will always have something to talk about and and find some you know nerdy thing to fixate on with them, but to also bring in other people who work with cinematographers, such as directors, and in the future also um, equipment vendors and, and rental house owners. And you know we have a lot of great ideas and plans for other guests who interface with cinematography and sort of to hear their perspective on what we do and how it relates to what they do. So from that perspective as well, hearing Zen talk about their experience with us and also with sort of cinematographers in general as a director was really interesting. Yeah, the resounding feeling I think from Zen's interview was refreshing. Like I think just hearing them talk about their passion for the craft uh, as a director Mm. was so refreshing. And like, you know, there were certain quotes like, you know, them saying, we're making films, it's a fucking privilege. Like I love these kind of ideas Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, they, they kind of got into this, this toxic thing that might, that kind of exists where it's like people saying that every project needs to be better than your last project. Otherwise you're like, not, you know, you're not progressing and, and how Zen's like, that's not what creativity is. Like creativity is about failing and getting back up and iterating and, and finding like the, you know, the nugget of truth beneath it all. It's not about just, you know, surpassing your last project. And I don't know, tackling some of these topics really is just like exactly what I want this show to be about. And I just really appreciated Zen kind of, you know, Zen is not afraid to tell it like it is and sort of uh, call bullshit mm-hmm. on the industry and call bullshit on some of the things that we see on social media and some of the stuff that we witness with, you know, the commercial world or whatever. And, um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think us as cinematographers are very prone to getting lost in that kind of mentality, the sort of competition with ourselves, with our own standards and goals that we set for ourselves and expectations for where our careers will go and what milestones we need to hit, as well as our comparisons to other cinematographers. And it's just, it's so easy to kind of fall into that. And I think that's something that's very relatable for, for everybody who pursues this uh, this career. And directors feel it too. So hearing Zen's approach to those things and how they've managed to sort of navigate that psychological minefield was really great and helpful just as a fellow sort of filmmaker and artist to, to hear that kind of approach to things. And, and you know, they've been through a lot of the same self-doubt and self-motivation struggles that I think most artists, most young artists have been through in the earlier stages of their career and hearing how how they've managed to sort of overcome those and pursue their goals and and really be driven in those pursuits and 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 stay motivated and stay excited and hungry about the the art form and, and everything was really, really great. And I I uh yeah, I know we keep saying how inspired we were by it, but but it, we really were. I mean it 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 still has left a lasting effect on 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 me just uh, and that's true anytime I talk to Zen about these things, even even outside of the recording. But it was great to sort of get some of those conversations, you know, on tape, so to speak. You said it perfectly. And, you know, I think that for me, the big thing, too, is self-worth. And it's just like what you're saying about how we all like measure ourselves against other people and how sometimes it can be really tricky to sort of like feel worthy. And like Zen just did such a good job of, of articulating that, how important it is to share your work and ship your work out and put it out in front of people and reach out to people just for the sake of saying, Hey, I love your work or, Hey, you know, I love what you're up to. And Zen really sort of commended you for doing that so much throughout your career and how you sort of set an example in that way and how Zen has tried to do that as well now. And I think that, yeah, there's something really to be said about like having enough self-worth to 
share what you're up to and to also just reach out to people and try to connect with people and try to level set with people, um, not for any sort of like commercial gain or, you know, ulterior motive, but just to help the community and to... Um, yeah, and just to connect on a human level in that way, like artist to artist. And ultimately that's, there, there's just such value in that. I mean, there's just such, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, this sort of ties a little bit into the the AI conversation, but I think one of my personal worries about the world going down that rabbit hole a little bit is the further isolation of people from each other. And I am a very big believer in art in any of its forms, whether it's cinema or or music or any of its manifestations, as being something inherently created to bring people together and to connect over a shared experience and and a mutual emotional reaction to to, to something in the world. And so I think that aspect of, of art and the, the act of creating art is really important and using art as a conduit to connect between humans really. And, you know, weave the fabric of society together, not to kind of, I don't know, make it too doom and gloomy, like in how crucial this all, all is. But I do feel very strongly about that. And it was really nice to hear Zen talk specifically about that and about art as community and, uh, yeah, beautifully it was, said. It was just really, really great. So for our third episode, we had the uh, privilege of talking to Maria Rushi, who is a narrative DP that I really look up to, um, have loved their work for a while. And yeah, I mean, Maria's credits include Shiva Baby and the upcoming film Bottoms, uh, as well as some other great narrative projects. And it was just so much fun to be able to kind of pull back the curtain of like some of the trials and tribulations that one experiences navigating narrative projects, both on like an indie scale and on like a pretty proper huge budget, you know, sort of action film, which was uh, her upcoming film Bottoms. And it was really cool to hear Maria's trajectory as well as being sort of a union electric for for a number of years in New York and then mm-hmm. and then working into, you know, cinematography and how the work as an electric really informed um, choices that she makes on set as a DP. And, you know, specifically, like, I thought it was just so interesting. Like she talked a lot about something feeling like it's a movie, which I think this is a funny thing that comes up in our, Mm -hmm. in our world a bit where it's like, you look at the monitor sometimes on set and you're like, Oh, it looks like a movie. And like, she kind of talked about how Shiva baby, she felt like it looked like a movie. And she was like, that, that was it. Like that was a big accomplishment was to be like, yeah, this looks like a a movie. And she couldn't really even articulate what that meant. But, but what she did say, which was, which I thought was super valuable to hear was like, when you work on these bigger sets as an electric, like she did, like you see that, you know, on these huge sets, they're lighting things with 20 buys or with condors or with, you know, um, an array of like very powerful, expensive lights. And they're doing that for very specific reasons because they have the resources. And so for her, it was about translating that to an indie project and taking those same sort of, the same sort of principles that apply with the physics of lighting. And I thought it was really cool. And it was, it was, yeah, it was inspiring to talk to her and to hear about her whole journey as a DP. Yeah. I mean, I've known Maria from the NYU days. We were in the same class. So I've, I've been tracking her trajectory since, uh, you know, we both took, uh, camera one, like intro to cinematography class as, as sophomores or juniors or whenever it was. And, uh, and seeing the student films that she was shooting and then sort of tracking her career trajectory after graduation, becoming a union electric, you know, I, I, I knew that she was working on those sets and we all know the same people. And then Shiva baby came out and it was like, oh yeah, like, this is so cool to see somebody that you went to school with, like achieving that first major career milestone, like getting uh, an indie film, a low budget film, but 
one that managed to sort of tick those success boxes that everybody is chasing really for their first narrative project or, or, you know, chasing in the narrative world, it's probably not going to be your first film statistically, but eventually you hope to get to the point where you have a film that is very successful at, at Sundance or South by Southwest, which was the case for Shiva Baby. And then, you know, it got picked up for distribution, got a big theatrical release. It got great write-ups and reviews. It was a New York Times critics pick. It was ended up on a bunch of people's top 10 lists that year. Like it was a really successful breakout kind of indie film and seeing her success was always just really heartwarming, you know, as a, as a colleague, like as, as a, as a class, former classmate. And then to see that build up to Bottoms, the follow-up film with the same director, uh, Emma Seligman, which was a studio film with, you know, union production, proper budget, uh, which also premiered at South by Southwest and got great reviews and is coming out later this uh, summer is even cooler. And, you know, Maria, talked us through that whole transition and what it's like working on a, a bigger budget project. And it goes through all of the various like experiences and anxieties that I think any DP kind of going through that transition goes through, like having other people maybe doubt you a little bit, like on the production side, not to throw anybody under the bus, but um, specifically, but you know, I, we talked about how we understand where that comes from the, 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 the need for studios to protect their directors and protect the the investments. But, uh, you know, Maria, obviously somebody who's like more than capable and talented to be able to step up to that plate. And so, you know, hearing her kind of very candid experiences of that was, was really refreshing. And, and again, very sort of inspirational as, as somebody who's also kind of going through that in the narrative world and experiencing that sort of level up and figuring out how to navigate it as well. And I think for anybody going through that, and not just in the narrative world, of course, because that happens in commercials too, uh, and music videos as you kind of step up in in the budget tiers and work with bigger budgets, bigger production companies, bigger directors, and so on. I think all of those anxieties are the same, and you know, I think we were really able to kind of talk through those um, in a very accessible way. And she, and Maria was was very open w- about her experiences, and it it made for a very good conversation. Maria really like demystified this concept of of your first narrative feature for me on that episode and it was helpful for me to think about and probably will be helpful for other people but like this concept that like of the chicken and egg where it's like how do you get your first narrative feature without already having the experience of a narrative feature and I think it's something Mm -hmm. that plagues a lot of DPs who are trying to make the leap to narrative and you know the way she put it which was just so plain and simple was like you just got to get the first one, like by any means necessary. Like, um, and once you have <laughs> yeah. it, doors open for you. And, you know, I think we've all heard this talking to each other and things, and it, it's true. Like it, it really requires that first one. And, um, and she talked a lot. Yeah. Like you said, talked very candidly about trying to convince production when they're maybe vetting you or doubting you that you're not a risk and how there are many different ways to do that. But she, the way that she viewed it, it's like, that is the core goal of some of those calls. Like, there's different goals when you're talking to your director, your production designer, whatever, than you are when you're talking to like a studio executive who's, you know, basically interviewing and vetting you and trying to sow doubt and maybe like your qualifications. And, and yeah, what she said, which I thought was so great, was like keep a very sort of narrow goal in those conversations and the goal should be explain why you're not a risk. And that can be, you know, that can, if in the case that she was talking about as an action film bottoms and it was about like, 
you know, them wondering whether she had the experience of action. And it's like, well, yeah, then like pull up like examples of shorts or commercials or other projects that you've done where you can show that experience and give them tangible reasons to believe that you can take this on. And yeah, it was just very practical advice and and it was super helpful to hear. And beyond that, you know, so many great little tips and, and nuggets about like being super decisive on on bigger sets. And, you know, when you're answering to mm-hmm. a, a very large crew and you're having to direct your lighting team and everything, just being able to have everyone on the same page and really corral that group in a way that, you know, things you don't start to have miscommunications and you don't have um, start to have like factions, you know, and things like that. Yeah, it was cool to hear how how she navigated commanding the set on on bottoms and and on a lot of her narrative projects and uh, super inspiring to hear. Another DP we talked to is uh, Ava Benjamin Shore, who, who is a good friend of both of ours, and. Uh, her perspective was really interesting because we got pretty deep into like what defines your career, how you sort of identify as a cinematographer, like what kind of projects you want to do, putting that out into the world and and how you can really kind of carve out like your corner and your niche as a DP. And also what happens sometimes when maybe you go down like a pathway that you don't necessarily want to continue working on and like how to kind of yank your career back into your own control. And I think it was also very interesting uh, to hear Ava talk about, you know, her trans identity and how that ties into this whole sort of narrative concept as a human of taking control of your your life and, and sort of pursuing your self-image of yourself, your self-image of your career. Like, she's been on a really interesting journey as, as a person and as an artist and as a cinematographer. Uh, and she's always been a very candid person. And I've always loved that about Ava and all the conversations I've had with her. And so to be able to get even just a kind of sliver of, of, of her insight into these things uh, in, in podcast format was really, really fun. And I think uh, hopefully should be very sort of instructional and, and interesting for, for people to hear um, her talk about her journey in that way. I totally agree. It's, it's such a, it's such a great time talking to Ava always. And, you know, she's another one like Zen that just sort of the way that they think is something I could just have conversations with them like all, all day. And, uh, in rewatching the documentary Ava and Bianca, which is a favorite of mine, you know, Ava had a quote in that doc that was something along the lines of the most boring part about me is the fact that I'm trans. And, I just love the way that Mm -hmm. Ava thinks and, you know, as sort of a queer person, this idea of like identity becomes very interesting where, and it even reminds me of our episode with David Crudo where David talked about identity as a cinematographer and how there's this thing that exists where, you know, he was giving the example of like, he'll ask someone like, how are you doing? And they'll respond like, oh, I'm working on this commercial right now. And he's like, Mm. I didn't ask you what you're working on and ask you how you're doing. And I just think, yeah, Mm -hmm. Ava has this like sensitivity toward kind of like, connection and toward empathy and you know she also said something in that doc that just really stuck with me which is this idea that when you're working as a cinematographer you know you're you're making a conscious choice of how you're treating the talent and you're either sort of shooting them in an empathetic way and you're there with them and you're sort of allowing them to sort of steer whatever's being depicted or you're kind of projecting your own agenda onto them and it's these more like philosophical ways that Ava thinks about not only that, but about lighting and lensing and about so many things that just, I think, really sets her apart as someone who is just so inspiring and so talented on many different levels. Um, and, you know, 
like you said, we definitely got very deep into some topics. And one topic we definitely got deep into is lighting. And I think you asked some really, really sort of tough questions that she did a great job of responding to, like, you know, trying to really break down, like, what, what, what's your advice to people who are trying to figure out how to light, you know, and it's like, that's such a tough question, because it's like, practical advice in that sense is hard. And, you know, but it was awesome to hear what she said about, like, these experiences of working on features and feeling like the gaffers and stuff, like, just didn't want to help her out or like at least like you know maybe she didn't have the sort of the vocab or tools to give them specific direction and that's what they were looking for and how you know that process really taught her about how important it is to light with your eye and not by the monitor and how important it is to step into your lighting and look around at all the different sources and see how they feel and see how they're reacting on skin and specifically she talked about like being able to really look closely at the source through your diffusion or through your chimera and think about, well, if I can see the source, then that source is going to be reflected on the skin. And if it's going to be reflected on the skin, then you should be considering the skin type that it's being reflected on and whether it should be softer for that skin type or brighter or, you know, um, more shaped or whatever. And yeah, like these types of very nuanced considerations when it comes to our our work is the kind of stuff that just really excites me. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a really great time talking with Ava. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Ava to me is someone who's who's really a true artist and, and, and kind of a maverick. Like her stuff does not look like your typical, you know, Instagram feed. Like she's really bold in her work and really pushes the boundaries of things in terms of lighting and exposure and and is really kind of doing her own explorations and her own experiments on on finding that unique perspective that is hers and and is very successful at it. Um, when she talks about her influences, it's very clear where that mentality comes from. Like we talked about Bradford Young and Harris Savidis and some of these other DPs that that kind of have have followed a similar path and that they they don't follow a path. Like they've just really, carve their own unique perspective on things. And I think that conversation ended up touching on like a broader topic that's always interested me when it comes to cinematography education, which is like this whole idea of how you teach lighting, because I think there's a whole world out there that can be very instructional and very interesting about like, well, okay, uh, you have a, I don't know, day interior scene in an office, like here's how I would light it. You know, you put a source here, you do this, you put up the neg fill, you you frame up, uh, you find your lighting ratio and your light angle and quality and all of that. But the, the limitations of that are that if you confine yourself as a DP and as an artist to imitation and to, you know, just sort of mimicking what somebody else has done or how somebody else has lit something, you could end up sort of restricting yourself from finding your own unique voice. And that's not to say that this isn't a good way to learn. I think it's just that it's part of a larger way to think about lighting and and self-expression as an artist, as a cinematographer. And that, you know, I I certainly started out learning that way in 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 many ways sort of self-teaching myself because nobody at NYU ever taught lighting that way. But, um, you know, looking at uh, frame grabs and and trying to sort of reverse engineer like, oh, how, how, how was that lit? And, you know, maybe trying to recreate things or try things on set that I read in American Cinematographer or whatever. And I think those are good ways to start thinking about lighting and practicing. But if you really want to dig deep and like find your unique form of expression, 
um, you sort of have to push beyond that a little bit. And, and Ava is like the first person who will say that and will say like, I, I mean, you can't, you, you, you know, you just have to try things and like, just look at the world through your own personal lens and experiences and memories and, and, you know, your gut. And it, it's just, it's a really interesting conversation because of that. And because, and I think as a result, her work really stands out and is very unique. And I think what's especially instrumental about that conversation is that lighting tends to come up as like a lot of people's self-identified uh, point of weakness or, or, or sort of point of self-doubt, I guess, about their own comfort with lighting and, and um, ability and, and, and control and, and uh, capacity to translate an image from their head onto the screen. And I think Ava really demystifies certainly her thought process about it, which ends up being a lot more sort of intuitive and and reactionary and and really, really interesting. There was a commonality between Maria and Ava's episode as well, which was this concept that lighting is everything. And I think that that was just really cool to hear from the two of them, because like you said, it's like it, it is a self-identified point of weakness for a lot of cinematographers um, starting out and established ones. And, you know, there's an infinite amount of work you can do to refine your lighting. And so yeah, it was cool to just hear that Maria and Ava both at their point in their career are just really, you know, fully are fully acknowledging this idea that it all starts with the lighting and, and their varying approaches to to how they get to a place that, you know, works for them. So, Peter, I think we can sort of end it here as far as teasing out some of our upcoming episodes goes. Uh, we just wanted to give a little overview of uh, some of the conversations we've already had with uh, some of our upcoming guests, uh, cinematographers and directors, and give listeners an idea of what to expect from the coming weeks. Yeah, so people can look forward to our first interview episode dropping next Thursday featuring the founder of the Cinematography Salon, David Kruda. And please just keep a lookout for our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Instagram. Oren, thank you so much for taking the time to record this with me, and I'm really looking forward to continuing this journey with you. Thanks, Peter. Uh, I'm really excited, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, hope to see everyone tuning in next week. This episode of the Cinematography Salon podcast was produced by Peter Pascucci, Oren Sofer, and David Kruda, with original music by One Wave. We created this episode in partnership with the Cinematography Salon, and we would like to extend a special thanks to the salon community for sourcing topics for this episode. If you enjoyed listening to the episode, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media to stay up to date with our latest episodes and news. Thanks. <laughs>